Welcome to Vegan Business Talk with Katrina Fox, author of Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business. Hello and welcome to this episode of Vegan Business Talk. I'm Katrina Fox, journalist, author and PR consultant and founder of Vegan Business Media, a content events and training platform providing success strategies and resources for vegan business owners and entrepreneurs. A quick announcement. It's awards time. I'm delighted to be on the expert panel and jury for a couple of award schemes. Firstly, Vegan Business Media is partnering with V-Label on their international awards and applications close on the 31st of July. That's 2021 if you're listening in the future. So be sure to get in quick. V-Label is a leading vegan and vegetarian trademark that certified more than 40,000 products in 50 countries since 1996. The V-Label International Awards will celebrate and promote the many innovative ways in which businesses are contributing to a rich and diverse range of plant-based products and to recognise companies that are making a difference within their communities as well as from the perspective of global sustainability. You can participate in nine different award categories, including product categories such as Best Meat Substitute or Best Dairy Substitute, as well as categories that aim to promote responsible business practices such as sustainability, innovation and positive impact. Now, again, make sure you get your application in before the 31st of July. It's free to enter. And you can go to the link, which is awards.v-label.com. And that link is on the show notes page for this episode. Secondly, the Nourish Vegan Awards are now open for voting. These awards are an initiative of plant-based print magazine Nourish and are specifically for Australia and New Zealand. So I'm on the expert panel for this as well. And while we've already selected the shortlist for the 2021 awards, if you'd like your vegan brand or product range considered for next year's Nourish Vegan Awards, you can head over to the website at nourishveganawards.com to fill out the 2022 brand submission form. And the link to that is also on the show notes page for this episode. I highly encourage you as the owner of a vegan or plant-based business to apply for awards whenever you can, especially when they're free. Um, It really is a no-brainer because there are plenty of benefits. Free publicity is one of the main ones if you're nominated or shortlisted, even if you don't win. You get to be on the radar of the jury and you may get some media coverage out of it as well. And the beauty of this is that the award schemes are already doing a lot of promotion themselves, both on social media and to niche and mainstream media. So you can piggyback off of that. And of course, if you win, there can be prizes of various values. And plus, you get to call your business or your products award winning. So off you go and enter and best of luck to you. Now enjoy the rest of the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Vegan Business Talk. I'm your host, Katrina Fox, and my guest today is Jenny Goldfarb of Mrs. Goldfarb's Unreal Deli. Now, after becoming vegan, Jenny craved the the familiar flavors of her family's New York Jewish delis from her youth. 
The former tech entrepreneur began experimenting in her tiny kitchen, trying out the recipes on vegan and meat-eating family and friends. Well, this was obviously a big hit, and they quickly encouraged her to start to shop around her first plant-based meat products, and she managed to get placed in all the major Los Angeles delis. The products, which are made in L.A. from whole ingredients from local farms, are now available at major grocery stores nationwide. Now, if you're looking at Jenny and thinking, I recognize her, well, you're right, because she landed a spot on Shark Tank in 2019, where she got an investment from Mark Cuban, who recently went vegetarian, for more than double what she asked. The company took revenue from $10,000 in profit to $100,000 in profit shortly afterwards and continues to expand. Jenny, welcome to the show. Thank you, Katrina. Thank you for that incredible intro. So kind. <laughs> I'm really excited to talk to you and we'll we'll dive into uh, you know your journey, your business journey. But I want to know a little bit about the background because you're a former tech entrepreneur. Um, tell us a bit about that exactly, just a little brief overview. What were you doing and how has that, if, if it has, how has that actually helped you in running Unreal Delhi? So I have a, an undergraduate business background and what that enabled me to do was very little coming right out of college, let's be honest. But I really did learn how to cook in college because I was doing big community meals. And I feel like that was my strongest real learning that applies to this job. But what I did for a handful of years after university was I had a, a job with a tech startup doing user experience work. So it was kind of like in between the real hardcore coding and the more people side of tech, figuring out what's the flow and what's the experience someone wants to get when they go to a, a given website or, or using an app. And so I was working in that kind of department for, for several years and I enjoyed it, but it definitely wasn't my life's calling. Got it, got it. Okay, so your family, I believe, have run New York Delhi, uh, Delhi's in New York for about 100 years. So you've obviously got that kind of experience, but you hadn't actually had any experience in creating uh, a food product. So talk okay. us through what were some of the challenges when you first started out and how did you handle those? Yeah, so going back over 100 years, my great grandpa immigrated to this country, escaping persecution and worked, even though he didn't speak the language or have a family with him, worked as a as a, a dishwasher in his first New York City deli. And he later came to own and operate several New York City delis and cafeterias. And so corned beef, pastrami, uh, roast beef, turkey, it was like, I feel like latent in my bloodline. Um, <laughs> when I started my career in business, I always had a hankering for a really high quality, you know, deli sandwich. And so after I became vegan for the animals, for my own reasons, maybe we'll get into more on this talk, uh, I realized what I couldn't find, what I wanted really just for my own palate was that really high quality premium deli meat. Wow. So, so what were some of the challenges when you started out and how did you handle those? So challenges with regard to the business? Yeah. 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 So basically I, I married together some like spices and brines from like the, you know, uh, going back to like the playbook of, you know, my, my old family members there in the deli biz with a modern, you know, kind of using different plant proteins and ways to, to, to marry those two in order to first create this as like a test kitchen thing, just for my own palate, my own family. And when they said to me, do something with this, try and make a business out of this. I really did try to turn them down for months. Finally, uh, one day I sent one email to say, 
uh, to someone I knew in the vegan food world in LA. Do you know anyone that has a vegan food business? And I was introduced to a lovely couple that both did a little bit of consulting and had a, a small vegan food business themselves. And when I met with them, I brought them a sandwich. It's so nice in the food world that you can open the door with a, a piece of food. You know, I've, I worked in sales at one point earlier in college. And, you know, if it's not food, it's weird if you're just, you know, it's, it's, it's a nice way to get your foot in the door, let me just say. So anyhow, I, uh, I bring my sandwiches and I sit down with them and they say to me, what do you want to do with it? And I said, well, I'd love to make it, try and sell it. And they said, you know, we have a tiny commercial kitchen right here. You can rent it for $25 an hour and make it yourself and clean the dishes and then try and sell it. And I said, all right, you have yourself a deal. So at the time I was actually pregnant and I had two young children. I would drop them at preschool, pick up the ingredients at the local store make it myself. It was really just to like prove the concept. Do people want to buy it? Will we see reorders? And so I figured that the closest touch point would be like that New York style deli that exists in a lot of cities. And certainly we have our fair share here in LA. I figured that if I could sell those guys, I could really sell anyone because they know the finest quality deli better than anyone. And so we not only sold it, but we saw so many reorders and we got on permanent menus like front and center of like, deli historic delis that had been around a hundred years that hadn't taken a new menu item in about a hundred years if you look at what's on that menu tongue and all the other craziness you're like how is this still even consumed but uh but yeah that we got to these menus and we saw all these reorders and people were writing articles about us and so from there i then said well i have enough gumption now i'm going to reach out to my local regions whole foods and i did that by literally i had one kid home, I think at the time I took, I had a kid on one arm and I brought a sandwich into the, the manager of my local Whole Foods store. And I said, can you get the manager? I mean, I don't know if you can still do this post COVID. Hopefully at some point you can, but I, I was able to then. And I said, try this. Let me know what you think. And the guy took a bite and he said, it's so good. I'm going to give you the phone number for like the regional office, but don't call them until you're really all ready. So I reached out to them and after literally like a hundred emails, probably they were finally like, we'll taste samples and they acknowledged that it was delicious. And they brought us into like a pre-made sandwich. They said, we know you're not retail ready, but we would love to work with it anyway. And so when there's a will, there's a way they brought us in and we have one of the most popular sandwiches in our Southern California region with this pre-made Sammy. And then that really gave me the gumption. I said, now I'm reaching out to Shark Tank. <laughs> so, all right, we'll get to Shark Tank in a bit. So let's just go back a bit. So so you went into your local retail store. So you went from kind of your own kitchen to yeah. like a small commercial kitchen yeah. um, just because you reached out and you had the, the contact. So you they and it's interesting that the, the, the local store said that you're not retail ready, but they were able to put your wanted to put your product into one of their sandwiches. So you kind of went into restaurant chain or food service first exactly. rather than. Exactly. So did you plan that or was that their idea to kind of go like what was your initial plan? Because yeah. you said the store said don't approach the regionals till we're ready. So when did you know you were did you think you were ready for retail or were you planning to go into food service first? Good question. I mean, it was so guerrilla learning as we go, and I'm still learning as I go, let's be real. But at the beginning, I was literally wrapping it in saran wrap. I mean, that's like let's, you know, what I was working with what I had, what I knew, you know. So it was like just the most like homegrown put together. And then, yeah, by the time I was pitching to Whole Foods, all right, we had like a little bit of a sealer machine, but it wasn't anything retail ready. It was like basically bulk packaging for like a restaurant or for like a food service part of a grocery store, like the sandwich kind of thing. So yeah, they knew that we didn't, you know, we weren't really ready for retail shelves yet. 
and they wanted to work with us nonetheless, knowing like that this this segment is exploding, these you know options are desired, and all the rest. Oh, that's really good to know because I think that's helpful for people to know that you know that you might not necessarily be able to go straight into retail, but there's still you know potentially other options. So um, yeah, I, think that's... I, I always love to encourage people that if they're thinking of making a thing, to start like the way I did with like the local deli next door, like. Uh, I met a woman recently who said, I make the best vegan cotija cheese. And I said, find your local taqueria and sell them. You prove that. And then you sell the next guy and the next guy. So exactly. Now you mentioned that when you first started, Jenny, you, you know, you were bowled over by the popularity. So how did that work in terms of you being able to keep up with orders? Because that is one of the things I think that, that, you know, is, can be quite tricky when you're just maybe selling at markets and it, you know, you're turning over and then suddenly you get these big orders. So how did you kind of, handle that I mean to be honest with you I feel like all of it has been a bit of a divine flow because I even look back on it and I'm like how did I not from the local delis get some really big orders that mess things up like it there was really like a flow to it and I have to chuck it up that like I was doing the right thing for the animals my heart was in the right place and I was working hard and the right orders came when they were ready and then the right co-packing food manufacturing partners also came when when I was ready and so uh you know, you have to have a little bit of faith, but uh, but also be, you know, ready to scale and looking into where's that next step going to be and setting up meetings with the kind of people that could introduce you to that next kind of person. So all of that kind of working together got us from our proper manufacturing flow. Good question. I'm not normally asked that. <laughs> yeah, we're going to ask. This is vegan business talk. So we do, do a bit of a deep dive into the actual yeah, yeah. business side of things. So were you working with staff at this point? I'm just curious how you went yeah. from your kitchen to the commercial kitchen. Like, was it how how long was it kind of almost just you to yeah. kind of having staff members on? So it was literally just me until like a week before we launched on Shark Tank. Not even that I wow. filmed Shark Tank, which happened a few months earlier. Yeah, so it was just me for quite quite a while where uh, my husband would help me make deliveries. We actually got him a t-shirt with the logo. That's a delivery <laughs> boy. Uh, he has a full-time job at night and on the weekends and whatever. He would help me deliver. And of course, now we have all sorts of infrastructure set up for deliveries, but yeah, it was very homegrown. And I also advise folks as long as the longer that you can take the ball down the field and prove the business and make revenues and get customers that are happy and grow your social media presence, the, you know, the, the, the more of the company that you'll get to own and the more it'll be valued for when you do either raise money or grow into that next step. I love that. That's really great advice. So, all right, let's talk about Shark Tank. So I was just talking to you before we came on and I was just so impressed. I watched your your clip and I just thought you you really like represented, you were passionate, you knew your stuff, you knew your figures. And when you got a little bit of push or a little bit of challenge, you know, you you were there and, you know, you actually kind of had sharks fighting over, you know, you wanted, I think, Kevin and, and Anne, who is a guest judge, want, wanted um, to do a deal. But first of all, tell us, why did you decide to go on Shark Tank? Because I know you said on the show, look, you've already got lots of plant-based investors coming at you already even in your early stages offering you millions of dollars why did you decide to go on shark tanks it's quite risky do you know like going on like you know they one of the sharks or or could have eaten it and gone oh it's horrible don't like this vegan stuff so yeah Uh, tell us why you decided to go on the show you know what i did it because you only get to live once and i knew that i was bringing all the goods like i was in this because i love this world and the animals and people and earth that's in it on it and i uh and that I was making something really delicious that was connected to my past with so much for the future. And I already had some sales and I was doing it all myself. And I just thought like, I'm going to give this my all. And I, I figured that 
you know, and, and with food, there's something so exciting about food because if you make a great widget, someone buys it once, maybe twice if you're lucky, but this is like, you got to eat three times a day. And so uh, <laughs> we're here for that sandwich party. Wow. So tell us about the experience. So what was it involved in terms of the application and then the, you know, actually being on the show itself? Tell us about that um, experience. Totally. What did you do to prepare, et cetera? Totally. So um, as you might imagine, the application process was like stringent and arduous and lengthy. Uh, I'm not going to lie. But to get the ball rolling, you don't have to do that much. There's like a 30-second web application, you can just throw up your profile, or you can go, I guess they do different events in like hotels where you wait all day, you get to pitch in front of some casting folks, but I say just put up the web application because that's what I did. And one other piece of advice I like to share is that on my homepage of my then website, unrealdeli.com, was a little video of me being like, I'm Mrs. Goldfarb, and I made this thing, ba ba ba, it's the yummiest, and because I have all this history, and and then I went out onto the street, like in some outdoor mall. And again, I was sharing samples. I don't know if you could do this today, but sharing samples. People were like, oh my God, natural reactions. It was so delicious. And I got that edited and that was on our website. So when the casting director from Shark Tank like checked us out, they saw the whole segment right there. Like you didn't have to like do any guesswork, right? It was all there for them. So I think that would, that would be super helpful, helpful if anyone wants to apply mm -hmm. for Shark Tank, Dragon's Den, whatever. But um. After, you know, they were interested and they called me, then became like uh, several handwritten applications that were somewhat like 50 pages each asking like every kind of possible background question, foreground, I mean, like anything, like I remember the most embarrassing thing that ever happened to you was like a question somehow in this thing, along with where <laughs> you lived and every obviously business question and all that. So after that was all submitted, then there were like a couple of I don't know, like video e-rounds, they were calling it. I just, in my head, I was like, I'm on this show. I'm bringing all the goods. I remember I kept getting on with the producers and they were like, you made it to the next round. I'm thinking, I already thought I was on the show. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Finally, I had a day and I, a date to like actually be on the set. And then they get, they have you come like two days early to do your little preparation, to like give your first two minute pitch over to like all the producers and the lawyers and all that. And on that day, I met a number of other entrepreneurs, very interesting characters, as you can imagine, right? They want like big TV people. So I met a bunch of different cool entrepreneurs and kept in touch with a few of them. And one of them, he had his uh, air, air like date that he was doing his spiel before mine. And so I said, can I call you and you'll let me know how it goes? He said, sure. So when I reached out to him, I said, what do I do? You know, like my, my day was coming up a couple of days out. And he said to me, you have a baby and two kids. Have your baby crying while your kids are fighting. And if your husband, have your husband ask you financial questions. And if you do that, if you can answer those, you'll be fine in the point. <laughs> so that was his to me to basically <laughs> mayhem. Because anyway, you never want to have a crying baby with your kids fighting. So I expected mayhem. I got a little bit of mayhem. It could have been worse. And uh, yeah, I, the heavens were with me, I guess. I don't know what to say. It, it really wow. went smoother and better than I honestly could have ever imagined. And you're happy with how it's said because I've noticed I've, I've read a couple of people, not necessarily vegan entrepreneurs, who have been a bit annoyed about the way it's all edited. Because obviously, you know, you spend longer in the studio itself, but then they choose how they edit it together. And I, I've certainly heard of a couple of people going on those shows and being really annoyed because they were made to look wow. silly. But you're obviously happy with how it was all edited together. Yeah, I did well, and then they they showed it as such. But um, but I definitely can understand that uh, you know, one little slip up, they patch up with some other things, and they can 
really, it can really be, you know, damning, but, um, but yeah, no, it really went great. Uh, I, I wound up getting, you know, more than double the cash I was asking for, which is shocking to me because I went on the show with 10,000 in revenues, which on that show was like a, such a drop in the bucket, but, uh, yeah. So anyway, it was an amazing experience. Why did you, it's interesting that you went for Mark Cuban because he did that thing where you'd had a couple of other offers, but then he did his thing of, right, I'm going to offer you 250K, yeah. but you've got to say yes or no, and you can't you know, consider any other offers. Why did you decide to take that? Because you took it pretty, you made that decision quite quickly. Yeah. So, well, first off, it was, it was definitely the best offer that was there at the moment, although I hadn't heard all the sharks. Um, it was more than the valuation I was asking for. I was asking for a hundred thousand for 10%, which would have been a million dollar valuation. And he was giving me 250 for 20%, which was 1.25 million valuation on my 10,000 of revenue. So it was like an amazing deal. And I was able to quickly compute that. I couldn't have quickly computed everything. There were so many like different kinds of transactions that happen and that wouldn't have been that quick, but that was an easy one. I knew how to calculate that. And then it was the first time he ever came out saying he was vegetarian. And I was like, that's amazing. I want that. That's like, that's what this, the heart of this business is. So that kind of, you know, wooed me. And of course it's Mark Cuban. So exactly. I have have someone like that on board is amazing. So as you mentioned, you were 10 K in profit when you went on the show shortly afterwards, you jumped to a hundred K. Was that a result? Tell us what happened to to achieve that result? Was it simply a result of you? Because there's obviously massive publicity, like people go in Shark Tank. And even if they don't get a deal, you know, anyone who likes the look of the the product will go ahead and buy it. So was it a result of that specifically or or anything else? Overnight, I think we brought in 60 grand on our online store. Wow, really? 30 grand for like three nights following that, more on that weekend. I mean, it was crazy, That just that alone. Then aside from that, you're getting many different like wholesale customers. I have a restaurant. I have five restaurants. I have a grocery store. Okay, we're not ready for you grocery yet. Okay, everyone else, let's make them, you know, wholesale partners and we're selling them larger cases. And so, yeah, deals were able to come much quicker. I'm even to this day able to like use that as like, you know, my VIP card to like kind of meet with almost anyone, frankly. Um, and uh yeah, so that publicity is like just a massive driver of, of of pretty immediate sales. Let's go. And were you were you prepared and ready for that? So when you suddenly went, you know, to like you say these thirty k's, you had the systems in place to be able to fulfill those orders. Good question. Uh, good questions, Katrina. <laughs> <laughs> That's my job. <laughs> so yeah, I got familiar with what cold chain shipments are. That meant nothing to me before, and fulfillment centers and all this, and so we found facilities where we could keep our products frozen. And when the order came in, it would automatically go to these warehouses and they would ship them up in cold boxes and all that. And so, yeah, we were pretty prepared, but it doesn't mean that like mayhem wasn't happening constantly, you know, with like this order didn't make it out. Those guys got the wrong thing. Uh, you know, they, they didn't, they, these 50 boxes didn't appear when the sink happened or whatever, but yeah, we were as prepared as we could have been. Amazing, amazing. So, what's happened so uh, since then? Since 2019, you know, Mark's come on board. Like, what has he done for you so far, or what have been the benefits? Um, you know, how have you been working with him? I know it's quite soon. We're only in kind of 2021, and this was 2019. Obviously, we've had COVID, um, but yeah, tell us kind of what's happened since he's come on board with you. So, of course, he has like a hundred companies plus his own family, and has the basketball basketball team he owns. So, there isn't like a ton of work based on. But what I do get with him is I email him every week. 
every Friday I send him like a recap of the week and he always sends me something back. Sometimes it's wow. you know small, but sometimes it's like he asks a question and then it follows into another thing and then he introduces me to someone. And then aside from that, he has a team under him, um, including an accountant and legal and business development people. And they're always at the ready to help in any way that they can. Uh, so it's like the team, the name, and then like a little bit of touch points with like the actual celebrity. He's still like a celebrity in my eyes because it's not like I'm talking with him every week. But, uh, but uh, you know, having his name, you know, associated is only good things. Absolutely. So it can open doors for you. Wonderful. That's fantastic. So how has COVID impacted the business? Because I believe you were focusing at the time predominantly on food service, restaurant chains, and then you had to pivot to retail, which is what, you know, obviously you wanted to get into retail anyway. But um, so tell us a bit about how how that's worked. Yeah. So not only did we need a pivot, but we held like a big national account, like they wanted a 30,000 pound order for it was actually Quiznos. That's a small sub chain in the US and Canada. And they were like, we're going to bring you to all 500 stores. We had been at, doing a test in some select uh, locations and they were going so well that in January they were like, big order, big contract, this and that. By March, of course, that got pulled away. All of our other restaurant partners were struggling. It was terrible to watch what was happening to them, to also wonder what was going to be for us as a company. And then at the same time, just to like... Uh, compounds that my beloved father who's like a bit of a mentor for me in the business he was an entrepreneur which I feel like gives me a lot of the gumption to be able to do this and it was all he's also the one in the my great-grandpa that was his grandpa anyway from the deli biz so he came down with COVID so badly that he was on a ventilator for 28 days and everyone every physician was like he won't make it it's hospice it's not happening this all came at me March April of a year ago. And so my father miraculously survived COVID at the last second by getting a plasma donation, which was the closest thing to a vaccine going back more than a year. And he made a a miraculous recovery. Thank God. But my business also, thank God, we wound up really putting, you know, getting working super, super hard to come out with our first retail packaging, which is our unreal corned beef. Oh, lovely. You can't have one product alone on a shelf. So we realized we needed to take our amazing plant-based ingredients and build more amazing meats. So we came up with Unreal Roasted Turkey. And actually what's launching this week, it just hit our online store today. We're not even officially launching it for a couple of days, but it's our Unreal Steak Slices. Oh, wow. You saw it it here first, folks. Wonderful. (laughs) at unrealdeli.com now and we'll be pushing it out later this week but um but yeah so uh so very very exciting and uh and this was really our big pivot for as soon as covid hit until pretty much the end of uh of 2020 preparing with all the labs and certifications and specs on specs to be able to then get fully retail ready and get retailers ready to bring us on so at this point now that we're you know halfway into 2021 we're in over a thousand retail doors and, and restaurant, retail and restaurant together. And uh, and we'll be in more than another thousand by the end of the year with many more to come. Wow. So when did you get, so did you spend, you're saying you spent most of 2020 getting ready to get into retail? Yeah. So we, you know, we were. So still- that's interesting because then you mean, that, so you took a big hit in terms of income because you'd yeah. lost that from the restaurant chain. Um, so you literally kind of had to uh, had to have the income on pause and kind of get through those months before yeah. launching into wow that's that's challenging. It 
it was really challenging. Um, and it really like, you know, was like that do or die moment. And which is really what presses like makes the good from the great from the surviving entrepreneurs, you know. And so so we came through, we turned it around. We got a lot of new customers. We met the retail customer where they were. And we're here for the food service party now that it's coming back. So uh, so it's very exciting. Amazing. And I know I was saying to you off air, I'm, I was excited to see you've got corned beef because I was saying like, I've been vegan for 25 years, but I've been vegetarian since I was 11. So a very long time ago, my great aunt used to come and stay with us occasionally, like at Christmas and bring her corned beef pasties that she'd made and have corned beef sandwich. So I haven't had it, obviously I haven't had any corned beef for 45 years. So I'm excited that you're, you know, doing products like this so that people don't have to, yeah, kind of give up their, their favorite things. So I'm excited for you to see send them come to australia and i'll get you or next time i'm in the u.s next time whenever that will be i don't know when that will be but next time i'm in the u.s i'll definitely look out for them that's brilliant so jenny before you got the investment in shark tank how were you funding the business so it was like a little bit you know before the before shark tank there wasn't like i wasn't pulling a salary uh, in order to get the product made, I had orders to be able to like come over that. There was a little bit of personal, maybe like up to like 15,000 that I put in personally, but mostly we had some revenues coming in and we had very low expenses. So we were like, the real answer to you is bootstrapping. That's that's yeah. how we cover the expenses. The nice. And in terms of the 250K investment you got from Shark Tank, what have you used that for? So it's mostly been working capital. We haven't done any like crazy marketing programs, but it really did allow us to launch in retail because that alone, you know, we had to have, as I mentioned, lab work and certifications and we have a kosher symbol and a vegan symbol and other certifications and then getting all the packaging made and and the staff that makes the packaging, makes the new meats, all of this. So, so really keeping the business going, but, uh, but we have been cash flow positive. So we fortunately haven't had to dip much into that if at all. So, uh, so it's mostly supporting itself, the business, which is incredible. Amazing. I love that. And in terms of marketing, obviously, you've had a big publicity hit from Shark Tank in 2019. And obviously, they do reruns. So that's going to be a nice kind of thing going forward. But apart from that, um, what kind of marketing have you done? Because I think you mentioned, you know, you'd already had kind of some articles written about like people, you know, had started to hear about you. But what kind of marketing strategies are you using that are successful at the moment? So we, I've worked with a couple different PR people and we finally decided having someone in-house would be really the most like just amazing and close way to go to really nurture someone. And so we've so far gotten articles in the New York Times and New York Post and not only New York publications, many others, the Palm Beach Post, the LA Times. I've, it's, it's a very big list at this point and it's it's amazing because people want to see the story that you can be like a pregnant mom and then, you know, make something and yeah. love it care about it and especially in this amazing plant-based world and all the good we're doing for the world and see that grow so i feel like this whole industry is is just ripe for coverage because uh people know the future and what about social media marketing or other forms of marketing yeah so we do some very simple like retargeting ads like if you visited the page then we'll shoot you out an ad a couple days later but nothing that's like too heavy and we haven't like developed any huge infomercials or bought any big airtime you know to date I definitely want to do more marketing programs as we continue to grow. We're looking toward doing another fundraise at some point in the near future. And so some influencer work, you know, maybe some other like branded type of stuff. Like we're teasing out ideas now if we made a food truck and it went around the country. And what would that look like to get folks excited where we're having our retail presence? And so a lot of possibilities on the table. But yeah, definitely some 
some upcoming marketing growth for us, for sure. That's great. In terms of the retailers, I wanted to ask you, because I know that can be, obviously it can be great to have your products in retail, but there can also be, and I've heard from quite a few brands that it, it, the profit margins are not great when you're with, and sometimes, you know, if they run specials, it's actually the business owner that's paying for that, not the retail chain. And that was something I only learned, you know, maybe a couple of years. I was like, I thought the big supermarkets were like discounting it and they were taking the hit, but it's actually the business owner. Certainly here in Australia, I believe it's the same in, in the US and the UK. So how are you kind of managing that and the fact that you might not get paid straight away? Like sometimes oh. even if you've sold stuff, you've, you've got that period where you have to wait. How are you kind of yeah, any thoughts yeah, on that? I should have how consulted you with you before I got into the retail business because I'm only learning now on the job because, you know, we ship product out and then we find out, oh, they want to help it move this efficiency. They want to mark it down to this. And then, of course, they're charging us. And then not only that, but we actually make the least between the food manufacturer, the store. We make the least of all that as the supplier. But um, but we get to make a brand. And so, uh, you know, it, there, we know that, Folks sell food and grocery stores. There's a way to make this profitable, and we're learning on the job, and and we're and we're continuing to to see profitability. But it doesn't. It, it definitely has come with plenty of hiccups like that. Of oh, this went out of date, or oh, they want to mark it down this way, and 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 absolutely having to navigate this retail path. It's definitely much a much trickier road to be on than in food service, where you sell it to a restaurant, they keep it frozen, they take it out when they need it. Um, it's it, it's a it's a different beast, but uh, but it's it's totally part of the of the big picture of being a you know, a huge food company. So we're here for this yeah. part. That's great. And you've got obviously your online sales where you obviously make bigger profits because you're selling direct to consumer. You know, you would think, but then we have to ship two day FedEx and have a box with ice and liner liners to keep it cold and all these other expenses that the margins wind up being around the same. Uh, okay. So, um, but yeah, it's definitely another way to reach people, especially all throughout, you know, we deliver to the 48, you know, United States, uh, you know, uh, contiguous United States. And so uh, it's a great way to reach people, basically. But um, but yeah. Brilliant. Tell us about your use of the word vegan and plant-based, because I know just on your website, you use both. Like in your logo, you've actually got, you know, Mrs. Goldfarm's Unreal Deli, fine vegan meats. And then on the site itself, I noticed you also use plant-based. So tell us about your use of using both. Yeah. So why. I'm personally a crazy vegan, all in <laughs> I'm a raging vegan. I'm in it for the animals. I wear vegan shoes and bags and I care endlessly and I want everyone to be vegan. But I understand that that terminology is not always the friendliest. And what I really feel like is that every no one intended to hurt animals to eat their dinner, their sandwiches, their burgers. It just kind of happened so quickly and behind closed doors. There was so much money in it that we looked the other way and it was happening. And so... I feel like if we call it things like plant-based and we use just like softer verbiage, I, I think we can really talk to like the flexitarians out there, the, you know, what's now 70% of, of people worldwide, I just heard a stat, want to lower their meat intake. So for those people, I think it's important to say plant-based or to say eat more plants or something to that end versus like, I'm this crazy hippie vegan and you're coming on my ride, you know? So uh, <laughs> what about to, to retailers and, and food service, what terminology were you using most then? Or were you again, mixing it up? Um, I think they know that this category is growing. So I don't feel like I have to be as coded as when I talk to the masses and I want to, I've, I've been taking note of like what the other like large meat alternative companies like the beyonds use. And you'll never see the word vegan anywhere over there. And, uh, and I think that there's a real strategy to that. And 
And we're emulating that in a lot of ways because we want to speak, we say Unreal Deadly is for everyone. And we don't want them to be turned off by any weird words. This is just the most delicious sandwich, just got an upgrade. Got it. And why the name? Mrs. Gold, obviously Mrs. Goldfarb is you, but why Unreal Deadly? Yeah, so, uh, well, I mean, first off, Mrs. Goldfarb sounds to us like a 70-year-old Jewish bubby. <laughs> <laughs> That like weighs 200 pounds, but this is like maybe the modern <laughs> version of that. Uh, that's why I was like, let's just bring this forward, this crazy Jewish sounding name. Um, but then the Unreal was actually something I have to credit my husband, who at one point in the earliest days before it was anything, he was like, it's Unreal. It's really great. And it isn't real. And that's da, 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 da. And I was like, Unreal Corn Beef. And then I, when I was searching for domains... You know, there it was, Unreal Deli. It was eleven ninety nine. I had to get it. So nice, nice. I love it. So your husband's pretty cool. He's like delivery boy and brand identity manager. I, yeah, I, I, you know, I he deserves a race. <laughs> I love it. So just final questions to wrap up, um, Jenny. So what what would you say have been maybe one or two key lessons that you've learned as an entrepreneur? Like whether that's you know qualities that you you got to have because obviously you know that running your own business, you know, it can have its highs. Like you know, you got on Shark Tank and you're building a brand but it can also have its lows and its, its stresses. So anything that you've learned that you'd like to share with other yeah, in the My father uses the phrase, it regularly comes up. He says the agony and the ecstasy of running. <laughs> totally that, usually every day. Um, uh, best takeaways, best learning lessons. I, so first off, you know, I, I like this lesson of like, Try all the little roles on yourself before you think about raising money, bringing on a team, like do a little of like whatever, even the accounting or the stuff that doesn't seem fun to have like a little touch point on it. So you know what it's what's going to require when you do bring a person on. Don't be like so high and mighty that like I don't want to get near that kind of you may have to dive in like creating the website or at the, at the beginning to just prove that you can get something out there. Um, and then. You know, uh, I feel like in the vegan space, like just to say, like, if you if you create a business because of like, you know, seeing like what's kind of broken in the world and what needs repair and like for this, you know, vegan mom, it was like, I want a really good sandwich and people are if I can't get it, no one else can get it. And th there's something here that folks need. So I think like having some of that, like empathy and passion and wanting to help, like it just reverberates throughout the universe and, uh, and, and, and gives like a real uh, seal of authenticity and love and excitement that people want to help get behind and be a part of. I love that. How have you managed to balance being, you know, having children, you know, young children and yeah. running a business? So I think the, I have two, two little tricks. So I have a two-year-old, a seven and an eight-year-old. And uh, so one of my tricks is that when I'm spending time with them, I try and be like really up in their grill because I'm like admiring them and getting close to them and really honing in on them. And I think that if I give them some of that really deep quality upfront time, they're like, after 20 minutes of that, it's like, okay, go away. I'll see you in a few hours. It's like, right? so I'm like, Really, like when I'm when I spend time with them, I really try and make it like deep, genuine, and like literally like upfront. And then second to that is my family celebrates Shabbat, which is one hour of like fully unplugging from like work stuff and even phone type of stuff for uh, for a full twenty four hours. And 
honestly, it's like one of like the best like rechargers and recalibrators that I could even imagine. And I always suggest anyone, no matter what religion you are, find some, you know, way to, to give yourself like that full, you know, uh, defrag once a week. Um, I think we all need that. And so because of that, they know that this desk chair I'm sitting in, I'm not sitting in this chair that entire day and they have full access to me, my kids. And and it helps, you know, me, it's fully like, you know, refresh so that on Sunday, even I have like fresh ideas, I'm ready to start getting going to bat. Oh, wow. I love that. I think that's so important as well. Sometimes we can kind of go do, do, and we think we've got to, if we do, do, do more, we'll achieve more. But actually, you know, you need that kind of break to let things percolate and things can be going on in the, in the unconscious, you know, solving problems, you know, but without constantly thinking about them and doing. So I, I love that. And I think you're right. I think everybody needs that. You're so right on. And there have even been studies I've learned that like uh, that if you have like the the particle, if it's like all like matter against matter versus like having the particle and the wave, which is how it's meant. Like, you know, you work, you're on and then you have to like have a little like that. Yeah. It has to like go like in and out, yin and yang in order to like really to have that magical circuitry. Exactly. I love that. So finally, what's your future plans? I mean, I know obviously we don't know kind of what's going on. The world's yeah. gone a bit tips, topsy-turvy, but um, what, what's your, your vision for the future oh, and anything you'd like to share with us? Totally. Thank you. So certainly like more outposts, you know, having, you know, our, our items both on menus and in retailers, certainly we're growing in, in those two directions. But also we're coming out with a line of three pre-made sandwiches on pretzel buns that we're hoping to have in you know, grab and go convenience type of stores and grab and go places and grocery and, and universities and airlines and places where you're on the move to be able to get like a gourmet Unreal Deli sandwich to go. And we're also opening uh, a dozen ghost kitchen operations over the uh-huh. coming couple of months. So you'll be able to order from the Unreal Deli virtual restaurant, full vegan subs starting in New York and LA at the uh, later this summer. And then it'll go even further after that so and then that's delivered to people's homes is it exactly so like on DoorDash, uber eats any of these you'll be able to go on and if you either type in veg or if you're searching just in general you'll see the unreal deli restaurants uh where you can get full-on sandwiches with great toppings and all the rest yeah amazing wow i love that so we've had such you've had quite the journey jenny thank you for sharing with me today so everyone please do check out unreal delhi the website is unrealdelhi.com if you're watching you'll see the url scrolling along at the bottom of your screen if you're watching the if you're listening to rather the audio version of this that link will be on the show notes page jenny it's been lovely having you on the show really appreciate you sharing your insights and i'm very excited to see you continue to grow and at some stage trying your amazing products thank you very much for joining me today thank you Katrina it was such a pleasure you are delightful and thank you to your audience members for being vegan and caring about this world and anyway for being one of the early revolutionaries to uh to be in this camp thank you so that's it for this episode of vegan business talk I hope you enjoyed it and found it useful If you like the show, please give it a review on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening on as it helps to get it seen by more people. There are more free resources on the veganbusinessmedia.com website to help you in your quest to build and sustain a successful business. And if you'd like to work with me personally on promoting and growing your vegan business or brand, you'll find details on how to do this on the website at veganbusinessmedia.com and clicking on the Work With Me menu link. 
Thank you so much for tuning in and I look forward to catching up with you on the next episode of Vegan Business Talk. Bye for now.